was that bad? <laughs> it, no, no, no. I'm not like one of the Taylor Swift fans, but I'm not a Swifty, but that, that bang, that was a banger of an album. I won't ever listen to it. I mean, it's not like I refuse Poor to. Shame, Walker. It's, You're cheating yourself. It's not that I refuse to. It's just that I'm never going to be interested enough to dive in. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. We live. <laughs> I've been doing a good job of mm-hmm. staying on this kind of diet that I've been on. And it's not really a diet because that means that you have this strict set of guidelines that you follow, yeah. but it's just been eating healthier. And one thing that I decided to do yesterday when we had the Hornets media drop off was refrain from eating the Devonte Graham s'mores that the Hornets handed out. Wait, 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 wait. Before you, before you go any further, then if you refrained, why is it not here in the studio and you, you didn't give it to me? Because I did not refrain today. I ate the s'more today, Nada, and it was delicious. Shout out to the Hornets once again. I ate a delicious s'more, put the graham cracker with the marshmallow, had the little Hershey bar that was right there, and you know what I did? I put it in the microwave, and I cooked it to perfection. You uncultured. (laughs) You're just a horrible human being, aren't you, Walker? Just horrible. (laughs) It's the Locked On Hornets podcast. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, everyday local experts on the number one daily sports podcast network. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, and follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets. The box, it looks like a cereal box of s'more, right? Like the brand. I don't want to hear any more about this, And so you have the stats. Uh... When you go to the nutritional value, you it says like his first year and his second year and then his improvement you know and it's got that as the nutritional value it tells you about the weight right it says like i think it says net weight 195 pounds or whatever Devontae graham is very well done and the s'mores were great so once again thank you to the hornets now what's interesting is we see the hornets constantly come up with marketing campaigns for a lot of the players on the roster yes. that have a shot to win whatever award. We mm-hmm. remember Al Jefferson. What was the Al Jefferson Ford thing? Big exactly? Al's pain. Well, I know it was Big Al pain, but w- was it for an award or was it just for to... all third all 13? Is that what it was? Yes, it was. I forgot. I didn't know if it was for the all NBA. Oh, selection. I can't wait to see your mentions after the hear that part. Well, no, I know he got all NBA. I just forget. I just didn't know if it was to get him. I didn't know if it was in the middle of the season for the all-star game or whatever. Yes. I just know that they came up with big Al's paint. I constantly reference that. And we know about Kimball Walker's most improved player campaign yes. too. That was really cool. Those t-shirts, yeah, the Walker Walker. Um, what is it? Walker something Ranger. I can't remember. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Frank Kaminsky. It's probably the best thing he ever did in a Hornets uh, on it with any that's a with the horns. I know, I know. It's the it's his appearance on that Walker Texas Ranger video that they <laughs> released. I'm actually wearing one of the Dreamville T-shirts they handed out, which is really cool. They they come up with really cool T-shirts. That Kimball Walker one was amazing. But this is also a really cool one. The question that I have for you, Nada, is you know no campaign for PJ Washington, but that's the only other guy that could take home some hardware this season. It's y- the only yes. other one that could be recognized for his on court achievement by possibly very legitimately so 
um, claiming a first all rookie team spot, certainly going to be a lock for the second all rookie team. Yeah, he should be. But but, but first is going to be interesting as we dive into his player evaluation today. No, it should. It's going to be an interesting evaluation. But at the same time, I'm trying to think of four better rookies this year. Not like five better rookies. Five is that because four is a lock. And I think the lock that you have, Brandon Clark. Well, first, let's get to Zion, who only played 19 games and is still a lock. He is. Okay. I'm just telling okay. you that's what it's going to happen. I'm not interested in the debate. I, I'm just telling you that's what is going to happen. I mean, I, I don't want them to, but I understand why they're going to do it. I think he even if it was 19 games, the dude was crazy good enough where I'm cool with it, and it's just going to happen. It's okay. what it is. So Fair. Zion is a lock. Okay. John Moran's going to win Rookie of the Year, and that's a lock. Uh, we sure? Because I'm not. Get out of here. Who's going to beat him? You know they're going to give it to Zion. No, they're not. They're, they're going <laughs> did you to just be- go from not putting Zion as a first all-rookie yes, team I member did. to making him yes, Rookie I of did. the Year? Did you not hear me say I don't want to but again I understand with PJ because that that was the thing Zion I understand why you're gonna put him there I don't like it because he doesn't have the games I love your I love your inability to hold on to something you disagree with so much so that you have to get it out with the Zion Williamson thing. I wanted to move on. I just wanted to go through a breeze with naming the players that were locked. You're like, wait, no, no. Zion should not be the rookie of the year, nor should he be a first all rookie team member. I'm cool with him being first all team rookie. He's going to be. And I think John Morant is a lock to win rookie of the year. Look at the ESPN article they came out with. All of the ESPN analysts, they took polls on. All of them went jaw, zero for Zion. Yeah. I do think it's going to be job. But anyways, there are two locks. Brandon Clark is going to be a lock. I don't know. Ooh, ooh, I don't know. I think Brandon Clark is going to be a lock. Okay, fine. And I think Kendrick Nunn is going to be a lock. I think those are going to be the four. And then the question becomes who the fifth guy is. And it's going to be a, it's going to be a toss up between the likes of a Terrence Davis with the Raptors. It's going to be with PJ Washington, with Tyler hero. You know, all of these guys are going to be among the players that are mentioned to possibly get in that last spot. So I I think PJ Washington, it would deserve it. You know I mean? Yes, I am biased in this, but I think P.J. Washington has a legitimate shot, which is going to uh, look all of this to discuss, Nada, that we're going to have a very favorable player evaluation for yes, what P.J. did. We, we absolutely will because it's one of he was one of the bright spots, if not the biggest bright spot, yeah. not named Devontae Graham to this season. Mm-hmm. I would t- yeah, I would completely agree. So let's go ahead and dive into some of the numbers that he gave us this season, his first ever year as a NBA player. You look mm-hmm. at his uh, points per game. I'm on, I'm on the totals. Let me go up to the average. He averaged 12.2 points per game this season. Yes. He averaged five and a half rebounds per game. He shot 45, 46, if you want to round up, percent from the field. He shot 37 and a half percent from beyond the arc on four three-point shot attempts per game. His effective field goal percentage was 53. And the only bad number listed here is his free throw percentage, which does have to go up. It's at 64.7% that he shot it from the charity them strike. The OKC game. Well, he wasn't a great free throw shooter um he only did it on 2.3 attempts per game but that's that's the most uh uh, notable bad stat, but everything else is good. Not a, then you start to look at some of the other things that he did as far as um, shooting closer to the basket. It's something he could get better at. Like we, we can get rid of the negatives pretty easily. If yes, you want to throw that out there, the negatives about PJ were his, it's, it's not the greatest percentage at the basket. No. Um, and his defense wasn't great, even though I do think he got better. And that's something Doug noted as the season yeah. went on. Uh, Doug Branson kind of talked about how his defense got better and I think he 
even rookies altogether. Like you see rookies improve year to year on defense because it's just one of the toughest things to pick up immediately upon entering the league. But yes. those are the only negatives. Are there any uh, other negatives that come to mind before we go the to rebounding. the overwhelming positive? The rebounding. You would get him, you would watch him get muscled out for rebounds every now and again, depending on who it was. And sometimes it'd be by a smaller guy. That was one of those things. That was, I think, his biggest thing. That was my biggest frustration with a guy like PJ is that he would get muscled out for rebounds. And if he's going to be a four or a five going forward, that's something you need to really solidify. Yeah, I would agree with that. His rebound percentage last year was not even 10%. That needs to go up. It's 9.8, to be fair, but it wasn't even 10%. And his defensive rebounding percentage was only 16.5. And you're right. If you're going to get him as the four or if you're going to play him at small ball five, which I like, I think offensively, that's a lot of fun. I'm one of those guys that believes that PJ has a legitimate role as the five on this team in certain areas. I I absolutely agree. And that's when we talk start talking about the future i think if he's going to stick in this league as an elite player start what i just would recommend if he's listening and we know some of the hornets do listen um i would say just watch some paul Millsap. just watch a lot of paul Millsap film and become that small ball five well and and we're getting into narrative based stuff but i need to stop being such a stickler for that if if it flows it flows when you bring up him not rebounding as much and getting you know isaiah thomas for the wizards i think is somebody that comes to mind i think that was something where he a rebound was had over him from isaiah thomas and when you talk about him giving up those rebounds to smaller dudes. I don't think it's really about his strength though, because I mean, I think it's just kind of lack of awareness and just not even paying attention, but there are times offensively, certainly even more so defensively, Nada, yeah. where I, I tweeted this out in the middle of the season. I forget what game it was, but there was a stretch and, and for maybe even the entire year where it's like, okay, there's going to be one bucket a game mm-hmm. down low where PJ is just stronger than you. And you're going to have to deal with it. Yeah, I, exactly. I, he's a strong dude. He's got, He's got a damn big base. That's just yeah, what he is. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that it's it defensively, I think if he learns to utilize his strength a little better, then and, and just be more aware. It's just a little bit about the defensive awareness more so. Yeah. And I think he can be just fine and, uh, as a defender and, and not be a weakness as far as an NBA player goes. He's one of those guys that when we talked about Jalen McDaniels, I think the same thing for him. The restart, the time off, is going to only help him because he's going to get his body right. He's going to be nutritional, nutritionally fine. Mm-hmm. And most importantly, he's going to know where to be because he's going to be in the film room. And I think 90% of his improvement is going to come from knowing where to be, especially on the defensive end and in rebounding. Because if he can get that work in, he can be the small ball five to where you don't necessarily need to go draft somebody some, somewhere later in the, or this year in the draft. He also needs to work on his handles if he takes another step up because there are times that he can put it on the deck, but it's not somebody that's making a whole lot of plays for you off of the dribble. That's not to say, Nada, that he's not a good passer because I think, especially out of the post, I think he's a very good passer. Yeah, that, he's a good high post passer. He's a very good high post passer. He just He's the guy you don't want putting it on the floor because you know the minute he's doing that, he's not finishing at the rim or he's getting it ripped from him and it's a live ball turnover and layup on the other end. It ends up for an interesting question to me of what is the weight loss to gaining athleticism ratio you want yes. to see? Because here we are praising him for, I, at least in my, in my opinion, I think he's very strong, but how much weight do you want to lose to try to gain more athleticism? I, he can certainly dunk it. You can throw him lobs if you want to. We, we've seen him go pretty pretty high up for some balls up there that he can go tip slam it or just throw it to lobs or you know he can 
can dunk on you, maybe a little bit surprisingly so at times. But yes. when you look at PJ Washington as the guy that takes you off of the dribble, it's just not there. And I don't know how important that is if you just play him at the four and five, because I don't think he's a three. Like he's, it, no, it, he's it, absolutely it, not a three. But I think it matters if he's a five, though. I absolutely think if because to beat the bigger guys off the dribble, to beat the bigger dr- guys off the dribble, he's going to need to tighten that up. And mm-hmm. if he doesn't tighten that up then that limits what he can do in terms of a ceiling at some point. And yeah. I, and that's where I worry about it with him because that's one of those things like he, tr- he tightens it up and then he becomes a bigger threat off the drip off the jumper because now you can be like, okay, I'm just going to close out hard and now he's dead. He's got to kick the ball because otherwise it's a turnover. So, and I don't, I'm, I'm starting, I'm trying to question exactly how important that is just from the three spot. It would be extremely nice for him to be able to beat centers off of the dribble. And I think he can to certain centers now, but certainly you would like to see that more effective. The dude is crazy versatile. He is. I mean, offensively, he's a good passer out of just, you know, out of, out of the post, out of just having it without taking it off the dribble, if you will. You look at his catch and shoot ability, very good. You look at the he frequent- He beat the Bulls on that. <laughs> you look- First night. Well, that was so fun. And we can talk about that <laughs> in the second segment. That's what I have it planned for, at least. But you see the catch and shoot ability. You know, he made one and a half three-point uh, three-pointers per game on three and a half attempts uh, of the catch and shoot variety made 38 and a half percent of those specific three-point shot attempts that he took you know he didn't take many pull-ups which you wouldn't expect from your four anyway in fact he did it at 3.1 percent frequency each game so it's not like anybody at 0.3 on the year attempts per game so yeah. yeah I mean it's not anybody that's pulling it up but but fine you know who cares if it's the catch and shoot variety dude was red hot from the corners um I think, and I when you talk about the strength of PJ. I think it kind of shows with the ability to adapt to the NBA three point line, because here's somebody that we were really questioning the sample size coming out of college for yeah. his three point shooting ability. Yeah. It was something that I was pretty confident. Like, I think when you evaluate these guys coming out of college, you got to look at the mechanics. Mm-hmm. You have to look at how broke the shot is or not. And sometimes mm-hmm. that gets you like, I have a lot of faith that NBA coaching can help people's jump shots. It's why I was so wrong on MKG. Cause it just never got <laughs> fixed. Like when they selected him, I was like, hell yeah, let's go. You know, we can fix his shot that happens in the NBA. And it just never was been, it was never able to be fixed. No, it, was ne- it wasn't. Um, but PJ was always kind of smooth, man. Like it, it's a, it's a, not a whole lot of wasted motion in his jump shot. I think it's just a smooth jumper and he's strong enough to where it's not like he has put a whole lot of weight behind it. It almost, you know, it's the set shot. He's not jumping uh, almost like of a Sean Leonard, if you will, right? Where yeah. it's just that if that's a name for you, how about that NBA name? Yeah, that, that is a throwback. That <laughs> yeah. is absolutely a throwback. But just a guy that like has so much power, I think he can become more effective from the top of the key and maybe the further three point shots, but he's already got the closest one with the corners down. Exactly. No, the thing is, he's very like, he's a veteran and I do remember Marvin Williams talking about this at one point where he was just like PJ approaches this game like a veteran and I think that approach is going to help him in terms of getting better that above the break three those those corner threes he's already hitting once he gets that down where where he can create off the dribble a little bit or not even create a dribble but ball fake one dribble to the right and then knock down the three that only helps him and that that also helps his viability going forward because as we say, we like him as a multi-positional piece and that having that kind of disadvantage or creating that kind of disadvantage on the court can only help guys like Devontae, Miles, 
and Terry Rozier down the line. Yeah, I, I, I'm a huge fan of PJ. I think we all are big fans of PJ, and and I'm I'm excited to see what his career holds for him. That was some of the stats that we could go through with what PJ did in his rookie season. We'll talk about more positives. We'll talk about some of the storylines surrounding him coming up next on the Locked On Hornets podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. Final play though was pretty pretty doo-doo. You missed the shot, you missed the shot, but that was, and that good. It was reminiscent of Hornets inbounds years past. I was going to say, yeah, it was doo-doo, as you said, and it reminded of, what was the other shot that you didn't like, Doug? It's a technical Uh, term, technical basketball term. I'm a smart basketball guy. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I looked up Vashawn Leonard during the break. Of course you did. Because I just don't know why that name. I probably haven't mentioned that name in years and years of my life. Even Nobody's though I'm not all mentioned that old. it. <laughs> Nobody has. Um, I thought he was bigger. He's only 6'4". Like, I really? thought Vashawn Leonard was like, am I wrong for thinking like he was kind of fat and just like a big, strong dude? I remember seeing him. Was he in a three-point contest he at was. all? That's what I thought. And I remember the analysis on him maybe saving some energy because of the set shot. I, I went deep inside my brain to pick that piece of information out for you, and somehow it translated into a comparison of PJ. Yeah, here's the thing, though, with Vashawn Leonard. And you called him fat. Could you really be fat and play for Pat Riley, though? Think about that. (laughs) You really can't be fat and play for Pat Riley. I guess that's true. Um, Am I wrong about that, though? Like, he he was only 6'4". I just thought maybe, was he like James Harden fat, where maybe he had some thickness, but he wasn't really like crazy fat? Yeah, like, here's the thing. You can also mistake him, like a guy like Vashawn Leonard, for a guy like Jaron Jackson. Like the original Jaron Jackson, not Jaron Jackson Jr. Okay, but Jaron Jackson, the first one that was out there killing the um killing the Knicks in the '99 Finals, if I'm not mistaken. And so Vashon six four too. Like I, what what am I doing? Where where did I bring that up? I Shout, have no idea. Shout out Vashon Leonard. Anyways, let's look at some of the storylines. So. Nada, we did a draft special last year. It was a lot of fun. Me, you, Doug, producer Katie, we all joined. Steve Bob was in there as well. We drank (laughs) some beer, we ate some pizza, and we watched the Hornets at the time disappoint us with yet another selection. Yes. When the 12th overall selection came up, they took P.J. Washington, and we were extremely underwhelmed with the pick, just like we were, at least a lot of us, the year prior with Miles Bridges. Yes. And it led to the conversation at some point The Hornets are going to have to try to swing for the fences rather than just take the damn safe pick again, even since then, if I have changed my mind given this draft class and how it looks. Either way, going back to PJ, dead wrong. Very wrong. We were wrong. I I did not want PJ, and it's not because I thought he was going to be a bad NBA player. I just didn't think that there was going to be this high-end potential that he absolutely showcased this season, and we were dead wrong in our draft analysis. Even if, I mean, we we wanted some other guys, like, again, huge Brandon Clark fan. Kevin Porter. Kevin Porter we also loved a lot as well. But PJ is going to be a top five, top six rookie when voters go to pick who the first all-rookie and second all-rookie team is. Like, PJ is going to be there as the 12th overall selection kudos to mitch kupchak and pj for having this thing work last year look walker um how do you want your crow served because i know i'm getting it with a little <laughs> bit of hot sauce maybe a little like green chili salsa yeah past like, the crystals man yeah like look we, we have to again there's got to be a like i apologize to mitch kupchak because quite honestly i thought i was dead wrong on pj i thought it was a low ceiling guy and he turns out to be one of the better rookies in a what otherwise looks like a very, very deep class of rookies. Yeah, well, so, and for me, you look at P.J. like, 
what his ceiling is, he's not, he still doesn't have the superstar potential. Like, I'm not saying that it's going to be someone that gets all NBA selections or even a ton of all-star appearances, but is it someone that I I continue to go kind of to Paul Millsap, where is it someone that is able to have maybe a couple of all-star appearances to his name down the road, where he's always like one of these best players that doesn't make an all-star team, kind of like your Mike Conley, you know, that that's the kind of guy that I'm thinking and hell yeah, give me that guy at 12th. No, you want that guy every time you want that guy every time because if you tell me that pj washington becomes one of the key three or four people to a 60 win team Mm -hmm. like i'll take that you'll take that every day and it it actually opens up to a bigger discussion on what should you really expect when you draft in a certain area so there should be a ceiling on your expectations and the ceiling for him he reached it already he's already good at yeah where the nba is now and where it's headed which i I mean i mean we might already be at peak small ball right like i don't know but with with pj just fitting this specific era so well Mm -hmm. uh, he's so versatile offensively and if he can just be an average defender which i think he was you know fine in spots last year i think he needed to get better certainly yes but i think he made enough improvement to where i don't i don't see that being this huge weakness for him going forward I just think this is a guy that fits the NBA so well and can do it at a high level. It's not even just an average rotation player. This dude can be so good within the confines of how the NBA is played. I love the pick, and and when you look back at it, it completely uh, we were proven wrong. I mean, look, it's his yeah. rookie season, but I at least I don't feel nearly um, as bad about that pick. Certainly, no, no, I feel not, great about not it. even that. Like literally, here's the thing: he's played so well that even if there's a slight regression, which there is bound to be because second-year players tend to have that regression early because there's a whole bunch of film out. Once he adapts in that second during that regression, he's going to be a very, very good player. Again, he's one of those guys you don't worry about. You're like, okay, they're going to be on a steady track to get better, steady track to be a very solid player in this league for a very, very long time, and that's what you want to draft when you are a small market. Let's talk about the come-up for P.J., because we're left disappointed on draft night. Mm -hmm. Then you see Summer League where he's not able to perform. Remember in March Madness, it was somebody that was hurt. It was a constant discussion whether P.J. was going to suit up for Kentucky or not and how that would hurt them. He had that injury, and yet another basketball player, first-round pick, happens so frequently it seems like we don't see performance summer league for this Mm -hmm. team and the first taste we get of him really with any kind of organized basketball was preseason and it's like oh god yeah this dude's good like are we wrong immediately because that's the kind of feeling that i got no like we were dead (laughs) we were no we were dead wrong because that was the thing they remember because mitch talked about Hey, this kid's gonna probably play some 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 G League this year. You're gonna see him a lot in Greensboro this year. And he didn't play a single game in Greensboro. So he performs pretty well in preseason to the point where we're like, okay, this is gonna be someone that gets a lot of minutes and uh, you know, we'll see how he does. And then boom, Chicago. Chicago. Seven threes. It was the career high to his point. It was it was the most points he would score in a game. It was a team high. Well, no, it was close to a team high. It was at least a rookie team high, if I'm not mistaken. Well, we'll remember that game, man. Like that PJ Washington going seven threes, having that kind of night. I remember walking out of Spectrum Center where everybody was so damn happy. Yes. And this was the game 
after we lost the best player in Charlotte Hornets history, right? Like it was the next game that we had ever since we lost Kimba Walker, a new era being ushered in going against Chicago, which by the way, people had some high expectations for Chicago. Like people thought they were going to be a playoff team and the Hornets come out and they beat them. And Devontae shows out a little bit. Mm -hmm. PJ shows out a lot of bit and people were leaving so thrilled with what they just saw. And I'll, I'll always remember walking out of the media entrance where everybody's so damn happy in a way that we did not expect that to be that that was that was just a cool moment last season again here's the thing we can make a case that uh the way pj played changed the expectations and changed the trajectory of what this team was because i don't think without pj solid performance at least in the first half of the season they go go anywhere near 24 wins they're closer to the Clevelands and the New Yorks of the world, and we're picking completely different. That's how good he played. That's how over his head he played. And he played consistently well for most of the season outside of a couple of stretches. And that's what, if, when we start talking about rookies, that's what you want to ask for, for, from them to do. And I, it's just, for the, I feel bad for the next rookie that comes in here because the expectations <laughs> after what PJ has done has set the, just to where they can't fulfill them at well, all. I like the point you brought up about PJ Washington's work ethic and, and just the overall work ethic of these players because, and you did this in the first segment, man, PJ Washington had to overcome that injury. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about the pandemic, this kind of off season being really important for PJ to take that next step for Jalen McDaniels to take that next step, right? Like we have a young team. Yes. The pandemic just like we talk about it, if you listen to Carolina Panthers talk, you know, the Panthers might be the most affected team in the NFL because of the mm-hmm. pandemic, well, all the changes. You know, think about the Hornets. You know, you have so many young dudes. You have a head coach that's still in place with a, yes. a foundation that is starting to lean in heavily to player development. Like we've already got some of the things set here, but yes. you still have so much youth where they're going into their, I guess, second off season, their first after a season that they had in the NBA mm-hmm. that you still want these guys to take that responsibility themselves. And I think you already saw that from PJ Washington, having yeah. to battle back as hard as he could from injury immediately saying this playing time that's up for grabs. It's mine. Yes. And I'm going to be one of the best rookies. And I think that is extremely comforting. You don't have to, to worry about whether PJ is going to put in the work where not a, you know, as much as I'll cape for him, Malik is somebody that we've had those questions <laughs> about a little bit, right? Like not going to summer league, being somebody that, and even Miles Bridges, I don't know about his work ethic questions that we've had about that, but it was somebody that didn't seem like he wanted to be here in Charlotte initially. You know, yeah. PJ, we never heard that. Like PJ no. wanted to ball. It was somebody that just comes in, works his ass off, and it's somebody that actually performs really well. I, I just think that bodes well for what we can expect to see him do as he goes forward into his career. Here's something that we didn't think about because remember how Mar- again everyone would point to Marvin Williams as the North Star in terms of workout, in terms of how to be a pro. <laughs> yes. Think about that. Like that void in the locker room is probably now filled with P.J. Washington. Think about that. So you have a guy that's already come in, ready to go, knows how to work, and now will have all the younger guys and some of his peers, some of the older guys, following his his lead on that. And that could be very important because that's the kind of locker room that we always like to talk about, how we always talk about the Hornets are a good locker room. The Hornets are a great locker room. They're very tight-knit. A guy like PJ coming in and basically taking that Marvin role is going to be super important in terms of development going forward because that way you got have kids that know how to work and you already have a whole bunch of like the the work ethic is contagious in there. If anything, we've mm-hmm. been told anything, 
that's something that we know already. We got to see him perform very well. There were a couple of rookie walls, I think. I think he hit two. <laughs> like, I think we were talking about because they played him so many minutes very early. I mean, it's somebody that immediately, man, he's averaging like 30 minutes right out of the gate per contest. He played 38 minutes against the Chicago Bulls because you're not going to take the guy that's shooting it on fire. You're mm-hmm. not going to take him out of the game anytime soon. So he played 38 minutes right out of the gate, and then he would play 30 minutes or more, I think five of the first six games of his NBA career, and it wouldn't be uh, an infrequent thing for us to see him do that. So I think maybe playing so much so early cost him to hit a first early rookie wall. Yes. And then I think we saw him hit another one later on. Um, So a couple of bad stretches, sure. Either way, I I love what we saw from him. We both agree. I I can't wait to see what his career um, has in store for PJ. Have one more segment to go here on the Lockdown Hornets podcast. We'll end the week finally on the Lockdown Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. Final question for me: uh, When you're in Pauly's Island, could we describe you as sassy? When am I not sassy, Doug? You know you're It's time for more of the Locked On Hornets podcast. I'm glad PJ Washington came up at the time that he did in the spinning wheel of names that I need to remember to get to before Mm -hmm. I start to try to close it out today. But I'm glad that we got to PJ because there's a video circulate or circuit. I can't even talk. It is going around. We'll just step away from it where it's going around on social media where they kind of talk about how he spent his first million dollars in the NBA. Have you seen this video? I have not seen it's this. It's pretty cool. It, it's really, the, the only thing that I noticed was PJ Washington spending quite a bit of money on cars. Like this is dude, <laughs> and it's usually something you're not advised to do because of course you lose the value immediately upon yeah, purchasing exactly. it. Um, but he bought a couple of vehicles. I think he bought a Porsche. I think he got a Range Rover. Um, so he's got his car set up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also spent some money on rent for the apartments for himself. And I believe he moved his family. Um, wow. well, yeah, his little brother, I think is somebody that stays with him as well. So that's some of the things that he spent his money on. He also spent money on jewelry. Um, it's just funny. Like even it, that, it didn't sound crazy how he spent his money by any means. It's just like, yeah, you have 500,000 to throw around on the cars, the rent, the jewelry. I mean, it's crazy to see, but that, so it was pretty cool. And his dog, he spent money on a dog that he bought as well. What is um, it with the, like the Hornets and these dogs? I, they love them, man. Like, they like, do. Again, you got Malik Monk with bear. Uh, and, and, and I know Devonte Graham, I think got a dog if I'm not mistaken, exactly. right? Devonte Graham's got a dog. Uh, um, I know miles has one. PJ now. PJ has one. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Dwayne Bacon, even though he may not be on the team much longer, he's got one. Mm-hmm. Like everybody, like at some point, like and and again, free game for anyone working Hornet Social. Start getting all these dog posts together. That's true. Easy yeah. engagement. You're welcome. No, I think that's an excellent idea. As so many times the Hornets will listen to our podcast and steal our content. This is one that I would like to see you. It's okay. We give you the go ahead. Go ahead and steal it. I would like you to go ahead and do that Hornet social media team that do such a good job with a lot of that stuff as far as the marketing campaign goes. And we talked all about that before. Nada, was there something that you wanted to bring up in the third segment that you wanted to talk about? I forget what it was, but I know there was something that you wanted to mention um, heading into the pod. Here Here's the one thing that I kind of worry about. Well, Ian Begley had brought Uh up a certain name of a guy that might be looking to seek a trade. And would you blow up possible the possible rebuild for Mm -hmm. a guy like Zach Levine? Because Zach Levine, not very happy in Chicago. I get it. It's cold. The organization (laughs) sucks. 
And would you potentially blow up the rebuild? No, I would not. So let's go ahead and look at this tweet. So you're saying Ian Begley, who yes. has tapped into the New York Knicks organization, mm-hmm. very much so. It's someone, reporter covering the Knicks, the Nets, um, for the NBA. And he says that apparently Zach Levine, they're monitoring the situation in Chicago in case Levine asked the Bulls for a trade ahead of his free agency, which means that there has to be something there um, because of maybe his frustration. Would, would the Charlotte Hornets be a team that should do that? I will say absolutely not. There's no way I would blow up any kind of rebuild to go get Zach Levine. And I'm one of these guys that often rolls my eyes at the empty calories types of players. I mean, look, they're out there, but I often roll my eyes at that just because they're in bad situations. You know, I, I just... I think sometimes it's just because of the bad situation where Devin Booker can't do it all in Phoenix, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't have Zach Levine do it all in Chicago. I look at Zach Levine, even if he is a good three-point shooter, I know he's a good scorer. I look at him and I think that's not a guy that I want to be paying a ton of money to, to be on this roster as we try to continue to take levels up. I don't want him. Nada. It's not a, not a, not a big boy contract. Even if it costs you Nick Batum. I'm not paying 26 milli. Oh, you're saying if I could trade Nick? Yes. Well, if, if, if you put Nick Batum in to match the contracts up, I still am not doing that because we're going to get off of the books for Nick this year, Nada. Yes. Like, we have waited all this time, and you're telling me you want to flip it for a guy that I don't think is going to be someone you can build your team around? No. And especially eating up the similar kind of money that Nick Batum would, and even more, I, no, I, I don't want Zach Levine. Are you saying you do want Zach yes, Levine on this team? I, I remember what he did the last time he was here. Do you? <laughs> yes, I do remember that. I will never forget that. <laughs> do you? Because again, I remember what he did. He came in here and burned the damn building down. I will take a chance on a guy that likes the building. It's why I want Davis Bertans here. <laughs> That's true. You just want, you're the Bill Belichick of the NBA. You want anybody that destroys your team. You want them yes. the next, the following year in free agency. So Zach Levine, look, he's got a good percentage from the field. He shoots 45%. He shoots uh, 38% from three. And that's kind of been consistent with what he's done the last couple of seasons. His effective field goal percentage is sitting right there at 52%. And he averaged 26 po- uh, points per game last year. I get all of that. Those are mm-hmm. attractive numbers. I don't think this is a guy that is that you want to pay him big boy money to and have him on that big contract and decide, you know what? He is a guy that we're going to pay to be our even second best player on the team. No, I don't think you're taking a big step up with Zach Levine as your second best player. And I think some of that, like Chicago, not a should have been a team that took a step up. They really should have. And you can blame it on coaching. Yeah, no, I I do. Cool. Cool. I'm cool with that. But also, Wendell Carter's not bad, and I know you don't think that. You no, love I Wendell want Carter. But again. If Wendell Carter were available, I again for the lottery pick this year, I would consider doing it. That's Zach, how much I like him. Zach Levine is not somebody that makes everybody around him better and rises up the the level of competition to the point where they're out here winning games. I mean, point taken. I don't I don't want to pay all that much, and so what I want to do is it goes to a larger point though of Mitch Kupchak. Please keep your eyes on the prize and not stray away from some from something that might seem nice and shiny, like a Levine, like a Brandon Ingram, somebody like that. Let's just stay on course and get rid of Nick Batum's contract. Yes. Get rid of this money that is on the books. Continue to develop and grow talent through the NBA draft and maybe take on some bad money for a little bit in order to get some assets. 
but get it. not give the big contract to any of these young guys that you think might be number one or number two down the road and then it blow up in your face after a potential trade. Look, I, I'm with you to an extent on the Brandon Ingram thing. I am with you to an extent. I like Brandon Ingram. More I, like, than I like Zach. Uh, I Levine. do. Again, that's the thing. Like, I do. I understand why. Again, I want. Again, a guy like Zach Levine, and this is the thing. Anyone who knows me knows that Zach Levine's kind of been like the Moby Dick, the white whale that I like a lot, and I've wanted him here. I, I wanted think the I Hornets knew to about this love. No, I had no clue. No, the Horn. I wanted the Hornets to draft him in the uh, Vonley draft. Like I want. That's the guy I wanted because I thought he just. Again, I will always go athleticism first. It's why I'm a huge fan of Anthony Edwards. When we started talking about draft capsules, because yes, we're going to talk about those at some point, but. The big thing for me with a guy like Levine is just the athleticism, the polish, and it helps fit a, again, you basically don't have to worry about the two guard spot anymore. And two guard has been possibly the biggest bugaboo in the history of the franchise. You just look at his contract. He's making 19 and a half million dollars per year. And then he comes off of the books in 2022. At what point are you looking to contend for that next step? I mean, we're not going to make the playoffs next year. No. And then the following year after that, that might be a year where you start to say, okay, what can we do to start to contend? And that would be 2021. And it's not like I want to have Levine to try to speed up the process. Like I, I want to be patient, man. We've been patient long enough, you know, like that's I, true. It's I, only I, been one year. I, I want to be, I want to be patient throughout this process. Thanks again for joining us on the lockdown Hornets podcast. That wait, wraps wait, up wait, this wait, edition. Wait, 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 Damn it. You did it again. God, you did it again. Every single time. Every single time. I just can't time. remember to do it. All right. For it's just, shame. It's, it's, it's radio comfort, which, yes. you know, like mm-hmm. you, you start to have the wheels are turning in your brain. Mm-hmm. You don't want there to be this awkward, bad, dead air. And yes. then you go to stuff that you are comfortable going to. Mm-hmm. And that's what I do. And you were going to basically just leave everybody hanging, guessing on what we were supposed to, again, which player we were going to be talking about next. Because, again, we're doing this at random. And here you are trying to skip steps and just rob the people. Why are you trying to do that, Walker? I don't know why I did that. I apologize to the people. We have the spinning wheel of names. Let's go ahead and spin it now. I brought it up. I stalled long enough. Another radio tactic. We're spinning. We're spinning. And Cody Zeller. Cody Zeller is going to well, be our be next a fun one. one. Yep, I like Cody Zeller, and it's still spinning. I may have spoke too. Okay, let's go. <laughs> Stop. I thought I was comfortable. Yeah, we did land on Cody, Cody Zeller. Zeller. Should yeah. we invite Doug for this one? <laughs> well, you know, I just think that Cody Zeller, what he does so well is not necessarily shown in the box score. And I want to get Doug Branson's thoughts on all of that. Yeah, we, we might have to call Doug, see what he's doing on Monday. All right, that truly does wrap up this edition of Lockdown Hornets. Thanks again to you guys for support uh, for supporting the show. We always appreciate it. Now tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Lockdown NBA, Hollinger and Duncan, any show that's on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday where we will have a new player capsule on Cody Zeller. <laughs> <laughs>